the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. on this Tuesday, 30th day of March, and uh, welcome to uh, Easter week, Monday, Thursday, coming up here shortly. Of course, Good Friday celebrated or uh, memorialized, I should say more accurately, this Friday, and then into the glory of the celebration of Easter this Sunday. We're going to talk about the significance of this period of time in the Christian calendar and what it means to all of us. Joining me a little bit later on in tonight's program, Pastor Greg Tomlinson, Senior Pastor at Bethel Baptist Church, will be with us. We'll talk about um, the Easter celebration. We'll discuss the significance of the resurrection, why some occasionally opine that, well, it was just figurative. I mean, people don't really raise from the dead, do they? And is there a danger in holding that viewpoint? We'll get a chance to unfold all these details for you via conversation. I think you'll enjoy and certainly learn and benefit from. Pastor Greg Tomlinson joining us tonight in, uh, well, about 20 minutes as the, as the crow flies, as they say. All right, let's get down to cases. A lot to talk about tonight. First thing I want to deal with is word that the Sixth Court of Appeals um, has um, essentially overruled a, a, a lower court decision, which I think is not only an important um, underscoring of the importance of our First Amendment rights, but goes to the heart of some of the madness surrounding gender dysphoria. And uh, these days, uh, the notion that anybody can claim to be anything that they want at any time without regard to science or, uh, or medical fact. Let's find out what uh, what transpired here as we're joined by constitutional lawyer, the founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. Counselor, as always, a delight to have you with us. Tell us a bit about the um, the background, if you would, of what went down at um, the Shawnee State University in Ohio and why this wound up becoming such a big hullabaloo. Oh, certainly. There's a, a professor there. He's a Christian professor. Uh, and... Uh, one of his students in his class decided that they wanted themselves to be referred to uh, with a pronoun different than their uh, biological status. And the professor, we refused to do that. It, and you know, as a matter of conscience, and that's a real key word here, conscience, uh, he could not you know, use a pronoun that was not an accurate pronoun as to who that person was. The professor was actually very reasonable. The professor 
um, you know, agreed to just simply um, not use the pronouns um, to, you know, not offend the student. The student obviously had uh, gender identity dysphoria, the mental, you know, issue purportedly. And um, so, but the, so the professor was actually being very reasonable, uh, but a lawsuit was filed against him and the, uh, the university, um, you know, turned on him. And um, the, the good news is that uh, on appeal, the lower court ruled against him, but on appeal, the, the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals said, no, you can't compel a professor on a controversial issue to have to uh, espouse something that goes against their conscience and their convictions. And uh, they said, you, you can't do that. That's a violation of their fundamental First Amendment rights with regards to uh, for, uh, freedom of conscience and religious beliefs. So they, Well, and I would suspect if an individual is going to say as a matter of choice, I wish to identify as a gender other than the one that I was born in, uh, while there are many that will not agree with that as a matter of choice, uh, be my guest, I suppose, but at the same token then, doesn't that give other individuals as the same matter of choice to write to say, no, I'm going to stick with the pronoun that you were born with, and uh, that's my choice in the matter. Exactly. And, and that's what's so important is that uh, individuals not to be, be forced uh, to, to, to uh, take a controversial position that's in violation of their conscience. There's lots of issues. In fact, the court made a point uh, to, uh, you know, to do just that, to point out uh, all the other kinds of, of issues that professors could be forced to, uh, to basically lie to themselves, lie to their, their students, and espouse something uh, that goes against their conscience. And, it, and the court says, no, that is not what universities are about. That's not what uh, professors should ever be required to do to openly espouse something that violates their conscience, particularly when it's an issue that is controversial and enough for public debate, as is this issue at hand. So I, was, I think it's, it was a very broad decision. It was a strong decision, and it's one that I know we at Pacific Justice Institute ourselves will be uh, utilizing as a matter of precedence as we take on uh, similar cases uh, like this in the future. Are there broader implications behind this decision? I, I realize it's only the sixth court; it's not the U.S. Supreme Court. But I'm just wondering, in in the 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 greater sense of the way that this gender dysphoria issue has in the minds of many uh, gotten so far out of hand, uh, is there anything more promising that we can read into this decision? I think uh, what's what's so strong is that the court focused on the First Amendment rights of the professor. And this will be something that professors and public universities, um, you know, and across the country, even public schools for that matter, um, may be utilizing uh, to, to say, you know, look, um, you know, I can teach my courses, but you don't, don't require me to teach something that I know is not true and at the very least violates my conscience. That is a very strong freedom liberty position that the Sixth Circuit has taken, and uh, this we, unfortunately, by God's grace, um, we have a Supreme Court right now that I believe will uphold that Sixth Circuit decision if it makes its way back up to the to the Supreme Court. So, 
this is a definite move in the, in the right direction and bring sensibility and um, freedom and liberty back onto the front front porch of of uh, the issue and um, and I'm very optimistic about the where this where this could lead us uh, in, in the days ahead. And I would suspect on the pure basis of the fact that there's been such a battle enjoined over things like access to um, uh, what team you play on, the boys or the girls, what restroom you use, question of this sort. Uh, so so much of this debate has been surrounded by a sense that, well, that's just the way it is, and people are going to have to accept it uh, in, in spite of the potential consequences, which I've long argued are, are opening up the doors for all kinds of um, uh, not only potential legal ramifications, but certainly culturally um, uh, moral applications, uh, implications rather, along with the, the, the grander notion of, of again, hello, there, there's a scientific issue behind all of this uh, that we're clearly ignoring, and to try to insist that somebody deny what they know the science says in front of them seems to be a bit on the ludicrous side. So if you want to insist on you using a particular pronoun for yourself, I suppose you have a right to do that, but I see nothing that would suggest that therefore you are able to legally compel somebody else to use that same pronoun. Exactly. And that's, that's the key here is, is uh, you know, I call it the emperor has no clothes doctrine. Um, you know, a part of a society trying to compel everyone to act in, as if something was real that really isn't. And uh, truth, science, reality, um, these are very important concepts that people should never have to thwart, uh, not in a free society, uh, not with the First Amendment. Yeah, sadly, we've seen a lot of that on the, the endangered species of late, and uh, this is encouraging news that at least in this particular example um, out of Ohio that uh, the proverbial legal line has been drawn in the sand. Brad Dacus, constitutional lawyer, founder and president of the Pacific Justice Institute, or information available on the web at pacificjustice.org. That's pacificjustice.org. 515 from KFAX. We come back after a timeout. We're going to get to another critical foundational truth. This one, when it comes to the reason why we mark this week as so critical on the Christian calendar. I'm Craig Roberts. You're in tune with the Tuesday edition of Lifeline. Right back with more after this update on traffic. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. 20 minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. here on this Tuesday edition of the program. And, you know, in thinking about Easter weekend coming up here, uh, it, it, it occurred to me, as you think about some of the world's dominant major religions and their leaders, Confucius, Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, you know the one thing, without exception, that they all have in common? They're all dead. <laughs> None are alive. Uh, none with the promise of victory over death, nor of a new life either. In fact, in many respects, victory over death, sin, and the grave is unique to the Christian message, and Jesus Christ is unique on the world stage, is the only man in history to, as a world 
faith leader to come back from the dead. That's an important distinction as we talk about the significance of Easter and Christ's triumph over death and the grave. Now, of course, his resurrection means eternal life granted to all who believe in him. And the purpose of Easter also meaning the full confirmation of all that Jesus taught, all he preached during his three-year ministry, and all of the prophecy about him that was in the Old Testament, concealed in the New Testament, revealed. Let's be very clear about one thing. Had Christ not risen from the dead, if he had simply died and not been resurrected, a lot like Confucius or Buddha or Krishna or Muhammad, that would have been the end of Christianity. He would have been just another teacher or prophet. However, his resurrection rebuked all that and provides final and undeniable proof that he was really the Son of God and that he had overcome death once and for all. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is, in fact, the core of the Christian gospel. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians, If Christ had not raised from the dead, then our preaching and our hope are in vain. But the good news is, as we mark the anniversary of his sacrifice on the cross this Friday and celebrate his victory over death and the grave on Sunday, it is that event which we all, as believers, can not only celebrate, but join in together. To talk more about this, I'm delighted to have join me now Pastor Greg Tomlinson. He is senior pastor at Bethel Baptist Church and, of course, the host of a very special broadcast called The Bible Stands, which comes your way every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. And Pastor Tomlinson, great to have you back on the program. It's a pleasure to, to be with you today and be able to talk about the most important event in all of history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and, you know, isn't that true? And I like that you put it that way, because if we think about big events on the Christian calendar, and certainly I think in the minds of a lot of people, they would say, well, that's got to be Christmas. I mean, after all, you can't have Christ's death on the cross and Easter if he had not been born, and that certainly is true, and yet we put a lot of investment into time and energy, and for Christmas it seems like not a day, but a whole month-long period, and yet the real reality, as you touch on, is that Easter, of all of the important dates on the Christian calendar, this one above all, is in fact, the most important. And take a few minutes, if you would, Pastor Tomlinson, as we begin our discussion today, and just give us some insight as to what makes this date on the Christian calendar so critically important. Well, there's three, there's two things to remember about this date of Easter. And that is, first and foremost, that in order for Jesus to have been resurrected, he had to have died. And that death was not because of his errors or his mistakes, but because of ours. And they weren't just errors and mistakes, but they were sins against God, against his nature and in his character. Mankind was created to be like God, 
in terms of character, to be honorable and be truthful and, and loving and generous as God is. But man chose to decide for himself what was good and what was right and what was wrong and what was evil. Um, but God is the one who defines it. And how are we supposed to overcome the problems and the sins in our lives, our errors, our mistakes, our violations of God's nature, and be able to be accepted by him and not have to face the punishment? And so Jesus took upon himself willingly the punishment for our sins, and not just for you know those who believe, but the entire world, their sins are forgiven for all of history. But that's only the beginning. That's just saying the sins are, are forgiven. It's sort of a, a, a clean slate now. But how do we get right with God? Not just forgiven, but right with God. And that's where the resurrection comes in. Because only because of the resurrection can the sins of man be fully paid and man be able to be the um, recipient of righteous or declared righteous and right in the eyes of God to be accepted by God so that he can love us and, and care for us, that he could um, just be with us. And, you know, I, I always tell my people at, at church that of all the religions in the world, Christianity is the only faith system that allows or facilitates God remaining just, which means a good and proper judge of what is right and wrong, while at the same time allowing him to extend mercy, being caring and compassionate to people. All those events only take place at the cross of Jesus Christ, being the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Apart from those events, there is no forgiveness. Uh, Paul writes in, you're talking about 1 Corinthians 15. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, not only if, if the resurrection is false, are we most pitied, but we are still in our sins. We still have the face of condemnation and wrath of God. The, the, the whole resurrection means that death is not the final answer, but it is the, it's the beginning of life. And as Christians, we can look forward to uh, death in a sense, not that we pursue it, but when it happens, we're able to rejoice in it because we know that our sins are forgiven and we will be in the very presence of God for all eternity. It's so crucial, the, the resurrection event. And of course, this becomes, I think, a, a significant game changer. And by that, I mean that we know Scripture tells us the wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. But more accurately put, eternal punishment. Man is appointed once to die, and then the judgment. So unless uh, Christ return, this is something that we can all anticipate will one day happen to all of us. It is the result of the Adamic sin nature. It is a result of the condemnation that came over mankind with that, that first sin committed in the Garden of Eden. But then to see man struggle in trying to keep the law 
and to see where God reached the point where he provided a means by which we might escape that eternal punishment. And I think it's significant, Pastor, not just that somebody died in our stead, not that just somebody took on our sin and therefore received the punishment for the ways in which we have offended a holy and righteous God, again, through our sin nature and our own failings and shortcomings, but that it was the very Son of God that was chosen to be that ultimate sacrifice. And I think it's important for us to see that it really is demonstrative of the totality of God's love for us in, in recognizing that our ability to try and keep the law was becoming a, a been a dismal failure. And God decided, you know, I think what we need here is to provide a perfect lamb, that lamb without mark or sin or blemish, to take on the sins of the world, as you mentioned a moment ago, to pay that ultimate price on our behalf, that in him and through him we might then experience forgiveness, eternal life, and most importantly, and this is what I love about the gospel message, that God is not just about providing us fire insurance, so to speak, a, a means to escape eternal punishment, but he does it because he also wants to walk in fellowship, in relationship with us. And boy, you sit down and, and, and spend some time heading into the Easter weekend pondering what a great sacrifice of very God himself, sending his son to take the penalty on our behalf because he so much wants to be in relationship, in fellowship with us, Wow, now that ought to just blow your socks off. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The The reality is, is on all of the old temple sacrifices and all the sacrifices of a lot of the, the faith systems of the world, um, they are always being carried out by sinful men on either upon themselves, who um, are not perfect, and therefore cannot be a perfect sacrifice, or they're carried out upon animals who are part of the fallen world and are therefore not perfect either. But the sacrifice um, that Jesus offered up, which was himself, was the only possible perfect sacrifice. Um, the Gospel of John talks about uh, Jesus as being um, the, the, the I Am, which means he's God of the Old Testament. And in John 8, he talks about if, um, unless you believe that I am, and most translations won't say the word he, but it's not in the Greek. Unless you believe that I am, you're still in your sins. So we need to understand that Jesus really is the divine being from the very beginning. And God, who is eternal from eternity past to um, eternity future, eternity future, um, we have been made in his likeness, which you know points to our own sense of eternal nature. Now, we have a beginning, but we have no end. So because of that, it's like, well, what do you do with people who, in essence, say, I don't want to be with God. I don't want to spend the rest of my eternity with him. 
And so God, in essence, says, well, if that's what you want, then I'll give that to you. But people don't understand what that means. Um, I try to tell people as well that if you take all the, the characteristics of what the Bible talks about who God is, um, God is love, God is light, God is mercy, God is grace and compassion and so forth. And you take all of that concept away and you completely negate it and you begin to have a picture of what hell or the uh, lake of fire really is. It's not a place of light, but it's a place of extreme darkness. It's not a place of love, but complete and total hate. It's not a place of care and compassion, but of torment and anxiety. Um, and, and it's just, you know, everything that you can think of that would be destructive, that's what faces you if you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, and, you know, the importance of that, and that importance of that reality, I want to dive into a little bit deeper after we take a time out, because I think people also understand the balance here. And by that I mean, as we talk about God's mercy, God's kindness, God's grace, um, all of that takes on significance only in the light of God's judgment and God's perfection and God's righteousness. If I told you that I was going to reach out and rescue you from falling off the edge of a cliff, the reality of what I have done and the effort that I put into rescuing you takes on the greatest significance as you peer over the edge and ponder what the consequences would have been had I not intervened on your behalf. And so to understand God's love and God's grace, we also need to understand God's perfection, God's righteousness, and God's judgment. And when you see one juxtaposed against the other, then the true meaning of Easter, the true significance of what Christ took upon himself on the cross on our behalf, begins to then really inform your understanding as to what a great salvation we have and how much we have to celebrate in the joy, the beauty, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because his victory over the grave is shared with us and together then we can celebrate the power of his resurrection. What did Paul talk about? He talked about uh, knowing him in the fellowship of his sufferings, which we can't gloss over, but also knowing him in the power of his resurrection. Pastor Greg Tomlinson with us today, senior pastor of Bethel Baptist Church. By the way, the broadcast ministry, The Bible Stands, comes your way every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX, and we invite you to make an effort to tune in for the broadcast. You can get information, by the way, about uh, the church ministry and podcasts as well by going online to kfax.com and look up the the Bible Stands, and you'll find the broadcast uh, there from last weekend and other resources available too, along with links to the church website. We'll find a bit more about um, upcoming Resurrection Sunday services as our conversation with Pastor Greg Tomlinson from Bethel Baptist Church continues as we talk about the celebration and power of the joy of the resurrection. 
I'm Craig Roberts. A brief timeout. Back to more of our dialogue as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to the conversation. We are talking about Easter week and most importantly, um, the significance of both Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. With me is Pastor Greg Tomlinson, Senior Pastor at Bethel Baptist Church of Morgan Hill and speaker on The Bible Stands, heard Sundays at 7 p.m. right here on KFAX. You know, you you touched on this, Pastor, um, to a degree just before the break, and I think it's important to understand, you know, if you were about to trip and, and, and stumble going over the curb, walking on the sidewalk, and I, I grabbed your, 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 your arm before you did, you'd, you'd be appreciative. But if you were about to, stri- to, to trip and stumble over the precipice going into the mouth of a fiery volcano, you might look down and say, wow, you really did something special for me. You saved my life. And maybe toward that end, that helps us to better understand the significance of what's going on here, that God's mercy takes on true significance only in the light of God's judgment. Yes. And, you know, as, well, we're all, we've all failed. And, you know, a lot of people will have troubles with the word sin, and, but it's really, it's the errors that we do, the lies that we, that we say, the misinterpretations that we have of angry words and so forth and so on. There's just so much that God calls sin as something that separates us from him and keeps us infinitely away from him. But God did not just let, does not just let us falter and end up with facing judgment on our own. Um, because if we face judgment on our own, according to the law of God, we all deserve to be eternally separated from him, which is what death is, a separation. Eternal separation is where we have no access to God at all, and that's another way to look at and understand hell. But Jesus didn't just doesn't just stop us from, you know, falling over the precipice, so to speak. But He actually reaches down into the bowels of of hell where we belong, and He brings us out of it. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew talks about the gates of hell not being able to um, withstand the power of the Gospel. And so all of us, rightly and justly, according to the justice of God, deserve to be eternally punished um, in God's hell, in the place of torment, uh, away, way away from him with no access of any kind. Yet Jesus is is willing to enter into that punishment for us, take it for us, and bring us out so that God's justice is satisfied. If God did not satisfy his justice, then he would be a corrupt judge. But he can't do that. He has to be just. He has to satisfy justice. And the only way that he can satisfy justice is to pour out his wrath upon those who have violated the commands of God. But if he does that, then there is no life for anybody. 
And that's where Jesus comes in, is he steps into the path, and he takes the punishment for us so that God's justice and the outpouring of his wrath will be satisfied. And so God, Jesus Christ rescues us from the wrath of God. He satisfies the justice of God. But he does beyond that, and that through the resurrection, he not only proves that uh, the justice that God demands has been satisfied, but also through that same resurrection, for those who believe in Christ receive the righteousness of Christ, so that we are declared just as righteous as he is, just as good as he is. And that's the most incredible event in history. Um, you know, it's hard to, to just talk enough about what Jesus has done, because we are also quick to push away or negate our failings, but God can't look away from them. But he can. This is what I have. A, please go ahead. Go ahead. No, but he, so the, what he can do uh, is have another one take the punishment who is holy and perfect in all his ways. And certainly he demonstrates and does that by yes. the substitution of Christ, where Jesus ultimately pays the penalty that was actually designed for you and me and for all of us, for our shortcomings and our sin. It says that he took on the sins of the world. And as I think you're suggesting here, Pastor Tomlinson, that, that God essentially poured out his wrath on his son as he hung on the cross and Christ took on that sin, knowing that once that ultimate price had been paid with the ultimate blameless, blemishlessness sacrifice of very Jesus himself on the cross, that that would then satisfy God's judgment. And therefore, that substitutionary work that he did on the cross allows us, and here's the part that's so exciting and the reason why we have so much to celebrate on Easter Sunday, that it's not just simply that God has rescued us from eternal damnation, from eternal punishment, from the sins that separated us from the Father, but he also rewards us and wishes to walk in fellowship with us. Now, I, you know, it, it, it ought to be difficult, I think, for all of us to really wrap our mind around that. I mean, how, how does a finite man understand or begin to even uh, enter into the depths of comprehending the love of a God and the infinite love of a God that would care for his creation so much that he would be willing to go that far to not just spare us from his judgment but then taking it even further to want to then turn around and walk in fellowship with us. That's the mind blower. Yeah, Jesus didn't just pay the penalty for sin. He brought us back into fruitful fellowship with God. And it doesn't begin just at death. It begins as soon as you believe. And I've had conversations with, with people of other faiths, and they just don't comprehend a God who would enter into the world is one of us and live like we live to be tempted the same way that we are tempted to have the same physical uh, 
difficulties and challenges. I mean, the Bible talks several times about Jesus taking a rest, about him sleeping on a boat. And there's one example in the way that they had trouble waking him up during a storm. So Jesus didn't just bring us out. He entered into our world. And the Bible says to, to he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, which I find that phrase, the way Paul phrases that, is fascinating because you go back to Genesis 1, and it says that God created man in his likeness, in his image. But then in, Genesis, but then in Romans, it talks about God coming in our likeness in order to bring us back to God. And so it's just fascinating how God fulfills this whole circle and brings us back to himself. But without sacrificing his perfect nature, his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, none of that is sacrifice, but it's all fulfilled. And we can walk in fellowship, like you mentioned, with Christ now. We don't have to wait till we, till we die. We can be in fellowship with him now, knowing and remembering who he is. And because of who he is, who we have become. The Bible says that we are, have been declared to be children of God, joint heirs with Christ, so that we inherit everything that is Christ. It's part, it's part of what we possess now. So God never left us off from the sidelines. He didn't just say, well, I'm paying off your debt and I'll go away. He said, not only am I going to pay off your debt, but I'm going to bring you closer into me, make you part of my family, and continue to give you blessings upon blessings upon blessings to help you deal with the challenges of this world, to, to help you know how better, best to just endure the, the hardships of life. And he didn't just give us an example. He lived it and gave us the power to do it. We just have to trust in his spirit and not in our own ways and minds. But it's just mind-boggling what Jesus has done for us, that through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, to allow us to become, again, friends with God, and not enemies, which is what we deserve. And to me, it's like a lot of, so many people lose track of the, the, what we deserve, a lot of times we run across people who will say, well, I hope they get what they deserve. It's like, you don't understand what that means. We deserve the same thing they do. We deserve the outpouring of God's wrath. But instead, we get to walk in fellowship with God. We get to be loved by God. We get to share with others what God has done for us. And it's just amazing that God would care enough about us to allow us to become part of his family and to share in his work. It, it's just mind-boggling what, what God has done for us through the work in, in, of Christ that we have access to simply by trusting Christ. And this is where I think, Pastor, is so important for believers to not just read the Scripture but explore the Scripture live out the scripture and to slowly come to the understanding that it would have been fully wonderful and sufficient had God decided 
I will provide a means by which you might escape the wrath that you fully deserve by causing my son to take on your sin on the cross, and I will spare you from eternal punishment and damnation. Now, that in and of itself is cause to celebrate. But as you've suggested, God took it a step further. He, he talks about the fact that we become, once we are that new creation in Christ Jesus, we become, get this, heirs of the Father, joint heirs with the Son. That, that's that being adopted into God's family that you touched on a moment ago. And you know, some people say, and maybe you can speak to this, some people say, Craig, Pastor, I get what you guys are saying, but you got to understand, you don't know what I've done. I've done things that God could never forgive me for. I've done God, things that, that, that God would just turn his back on me because of, of, of the sins that I've committed or the offensive behavior that I've engaged in or the, the thoughts that I've had. And I think, Pastor, of that passage in Romans where we're reminded that God sent his son that even while we were sinners, he allowed Christ to die for us. The passage in specific says, quote, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, that's a mind blower. There have been a lot of them we've talked about today. But that's one that maybe you can spend a moment to speak to that person that says, I, I, I just feel as if this is beyond, I, I, my, my sinfulness is beyond God's reach. Well, the, the first person that comes to mind is David. Here is, is David who is declared and identified by God to be a man after God's own heart. Yet, what were some of the actions of David? Well, David was an adulterer. He committed adultery with Bathsheba against Uriah. He, as a result of that adulterous relationship, he set up the murder of Uriah. But God didn't throw David away. Instead, he brought him closer. And we jumped to Paul. Now, Paul was a blasphemer. He did not like Jesus Christ at all. He hated him. And he was always talking bad about him and wanting to destroy his followers. He even judged his followers worthy of death. He was standing there holding the coats, facilitating the death of Stephen. But, you know, these are some, what we would classify as some of the most horrific crimes of murder. And yet, Christ loves them and forgave them. A passage I always think about in these situations is in Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He talks about, do you know don't, do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. To neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. But Paul doesn't stop there. Mm -mm. He follows on in verse 11. He says, and such were some of you. That's it. There is no, <laughs> there is no sin that we can commit that is beyond the reach of Christ to forgive. You know, sometimes I get in conversations with people about, oh, I've committed the unforgivable sin, and I've talked about how Jesus, the work that he did, was done by the power of Satan. It's like, wait, you know what? Just ask Jesus for forgiveness. It's just right there. It doesn't matter what you've done. 
the only place that you can turn to is Jesus. And, you know, I don't want to get into that unforgivable sin issue, but if you want to, if people want to talk to me, they can always email me or, or call me up, and I'll talk to them more about that sin. But the reality is, is that where we start is with Jesus. There's no sin, no failing that we can have in this life he is, that is impossible for him to forgive. Um, it's just amazing. And it's interesting, if you do a study of the, the life of Paul and the transformation from his experience, his encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, known as Saul, to becoming then Paul, and at one point in Scripture, he reminds us that he is considered the chiefest among sinners, a persecutor of the followers of Christ. And yet even he was not beyond the reach of the life-changing power of the gospel, of Christ's willingness and ability to cleanse from all sin, to forgive and to make whole. And believe me, if you do a study on the life of Paul, if God is capable of taking a man like him, saving him, changing him, and turning him into the most significant author of the entirety of the New Testament, certainly there were many authors, but he is the most significant one, both in terms of just the sheer output of his writings and the impact of what he had left behind in terms of laying the foundation for day-to-day Christian living. Then we begin to understand that if Christ can save Paul, then none of us are beyond his reach. Pastor, as our time winds down today, I want to ask you to do two things for us. Uh, And and the first is, would you just take a moment for people listening right now that have struggled with some of these issues? Perhaps they've said, Pastor, I I, I listen to this radio station, but I've been afraid to go to church. I feel as if my prayers barely go beyond the ceiling and God is a million miles away and I I, I feel like I knew him once but I feel as if I've been backslid and I want to come back to him. Or for the person who says, all of this sounds new to me but that notion of being forgiven, of having this weight of guilt and responsibility lifted from my shoulders to become a new person, that's very appealing. What do I do? What do I pray? Lead us in a word of prayer if you would please. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we stand in awe of your grace and of your mercy that you do not forget or forsake your people. You do not turn your back upon them, but you are ever present to help us and to guide us. You are ever there to show us, to to help us to find other people that we can talk to, to gain access to the Word of God and to the Spirit of Christ. You are ever-present to help us to understand that our failings in this life do not have to end us and terminate us from your presence, but you can bring us unto yourself and cleanse us and help us to be right in your eyes, to make us to be servants of yours. We don't have to be enemies of yours we can be your friends you have called us to to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and it sounds so simple but it's it's so difficult because we have to humble ourselves and recognize 
And in fact, we have, we have sinned against God. But it's also amazing that you love us enough to send your son to pay the penalty for our sins. And then beyond that, to give us his righteousness that we can be considered your own children, declared to be holy and right in your eyes, and to be a blessing for your name. There's nothing beyond your capacity for to help us to get right with you. And we thank you for the wondrous gift of Jesus Christ and to have faith in Christ by whom we have life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Tomlinson, I want to first and foremost urge you to go and share with someone. Pick up the phone and call someone and say, I guess what? I just surrendered my life to Christ. The second thing I want to urge you to do is to get into a Bible-believing church. It's important that you begin establishing that relationship with Jesus Christ. And to get that relationship established, you need to walk in fellowship with him. You need to be shepherded. You need to be discipled in what it means to live out the Christian life, to pray, to read, and apply God's Word to your daily life. And if you're looking for a new church home or you want a good, solid Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church where you can begin that exciting new experience on this new journey as a believer in Jesus Christ, uh, let me urge you to do a couple of things. Uh, first off, Sunday morning, what a great way to celebrate that new life you have than to spend it rejoicing on an Easter Sunday morning. And say a word, if you would, Pastor, about your worship services coming up this Easter Sunday. So this Sunday um, is the worship uh, and the remembrance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're going to be looking at the open tomb, which is the most incredible event in history. And, and that the tomb was not filled with a body, but it was empty. There was no one in there. And then we also have some special songs that will be sung. Um, because of COVID, we don't have a live choir yet, but we're getting there. And we're looking forward, I'm looking forward to when the choir will be able to get back together and we can sing the praises of the Lord together in choir. Um, but we're going to be worshiping the Lord in song. We're going to be worshiping the Lord in his word. We're going to be worshiping the Lord in fellowship with one another um, every Sunday at at the end, there are some of us that, I mean, some of us will hang around at the church until close to, you know, 1, 1 or 1.30 sometimes, and just talking about the things of God and what God is doing in our lives. And so there's always someone around that will to just sit with you and talk with you. And those services will be coming up this Sunday at 11 a.m. And I'll remind you, if you're in the South Bay, that Bethel Baptist Church is located at uh, 101 Freeway near Tennant Avenue at 810 Tennant Avenue in Morgan Hill. And you can get more information by simply going online to BBCMH, think Bethel Baptist Church, Morgan Hill, bbcmh.org. That's bbcmh.org. And, Pastor, if folks want to call, what's the best number to reach you at? The best number to reach me at is 408-778-1111. Uh, 
2595. I don't call it very often, so I always have to look it up, but, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's Excellent. Yeah, I've got it here in front of me. I just want to make sure I gave out the, 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 the correct phone number. Uh, it's area code 408-778-2595. That's 408-778-2595. And uh, look forward to a great message this Sunday um, and, and talking about the tomb. And I'm, I'm reminded of, of that, that, uh, that key phrase in Scripture, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Isn't that just amazing and it's going to be an amazing sunday worship service it's also live streamed so if you're not quite comfortable yet with covid and attending a live church service but you'd still like to participate you can do so online the service will be live streamed again uh, at bbcmh.org and you can enjoy the broadcast pastor tomlinson's message in its entirety Sunday evenings at 7 p.m. on The Bible Stands right here on KFAX. More information, again, about the ministry, podcasts, and other resources by going to kfax.com and look up The Bible Stands, or you can, again, go to the church website directly at bbcmh.org. That's bbcmh.org. If you don't happen to be in the South Bay, but you prayed that prayer earlier, we want to encourage you to get plugged into a Bible-believing church, and you'll find all kinds of resources for churches throughout the Bay Area by going to the KFAX Church Resource page at kfax.com. Well, Pastor Tomlinson, I appreciate you spending some time with us today to uh, take a walk through the Word and help shed some understanding and light on the significance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and uh, the glory that we celebrate and in which we all share together this Easter Sunday. So again, we sure appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much. Easter is definitely my favorite holiday. Well, we appreciate you uh, talking a bit about with us here today on Lifeline. There's Pastor Greg Tomlinson, Senior Pastor at Bethel Baptist Church. Again, Sunday morning worship, 11 a.m. Details on the web at bbcmh.org. The broadcast, The Bible Stands, Sunday evening, 7 o'clock, right here on KFAX. All right, we're way late, but that's okay. Uh, Nate will... Uh, <laughs> I'm sure uh, punish me for it in one fashion or another. So uh, let's step aside here and get you updated on some traffic. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.